In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. And that righteousness of God made possible through Jesus Christ that we can be right with God, that He is righteous, and we as sinners can be right with Him through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And that good news will reverberate through history to the glory of God, that we may with one accord, verse 6, and one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, To the Glory of God. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. 15th chapter of Romans. We're at the end of Romans, really. We're at the end of the argument of Romans. And uh, so I want us to take a look at it because uh, verses really 4 or 6 there in chapter 15 uh, down through verse 13 bring to an end the argument of Romans. And when I say the argument of Romans, I'm talking about the gospel, the good news, the systematic argumentation, you might say, that Paul gives of the gospel that started way back in chapter 1. And so I, I, I anticipate as we come to this that we want to see the whole picture uh, because it's so good to have the whole gospel in front of our minds. Let me just uh, read verse 4 where we've been looking. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, and that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, oh, that you may with one voice and with one accord glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The end of the gospel, the result of the gospel is that we would with one voice and in one accord with great unity, and we're going to see that involves people of every tribe and tongue. God's purposes are worldwide. He sent his son to this world to call out a people for his name. And one day we're going to, with one voice, glorify God. That's the end of it. That's the great purpose of why God sent his son. That's the gospel's goal, you might say. And we want to let that develop, and he does. I mean, he, we, we can't miss it here if you've been with it. But I want you to turn back. Look all the way back to chapter 1. Look back to chapter 1 for just a second. Because as I say, Romans is, uh, 
is a tightly packed argument. And we've been in it long enough, you might forget where we've been, but let me just remember, remind you that he starts the gospel, or he starts his book, his letter this way, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the good news of God, the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand, and as he closes it off there in Romans 15, says, whatever was written in earlier times... It was written for our instruction that we might with one voice and one accord glorify God. What, he said he promised this beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures and this gospel of God, look at verse 3, concerns his son. The good news is all about Christ. It concerns his son who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, who is declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel of God was promised beforehand. It's all about His Son. His Son, according to the flesh, was the seed of David, but He was declared with power to be much more than the Son of David. He is the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. And I'm not ashamed of this gospel, Paul said. Look at verse 16. For it's the power of God for, to everyone who believes. It's the power of God for salvation. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. I don't care what your background is. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. And he says this gospel is the power of God for your salvation. The Jew to the Greek to everyone who'll believe. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. And that righteousness of God made possible through Jesus Christ that we can be right with God, that He is righteous, and we as sinners can be right with Him through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And that good news will reverberate through history. Now look over at chapter 15. To the glory of God, that we may with one accord, verse 6, and one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is all about the glory of God. The salvation of man is to the glory of God. The Christian life, our response to the gospel. And you know, if you've been with us in Romans and you've seen how he divides this up, he, he spent 11 chapters presenting what God did. Then at chapter 12, he says, now in light of that, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Give yourself to him. He gave himself for you. You're his. You've been bought with a price. And the rest of the balance of Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, the Christian life in response to the gospel, that too is to result in the glory of God. And you think about it, how simple it is. Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they might what? See your good works and praise you. Of course not. Get excited about what a neat religious person you are. Of course not. That they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. 
Matthew 5.16. Now that's what he's saying here. And I want us to read it. Uh, he says, with one voice, one accord, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, verse 7, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will give praise to thee among the Gentiles and I will sing to thy name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, all Christian living, everything we've seen from chapter 12, 1 onward, is to the glory of the Lord. It's in response to what he has done for us. And in one sense, you know, when we came to chapter 12, I spent quite a bit of time pointing that out because we need to see that regularly. Why does he tell us to do these things? Because of what he's done for us. Everything we do as Christians is in response to what he has done. And notice verse 7. Wherefore, accept one another. Why? Because Christ accepted you. That's why. He's still, in one sense, he's wrapping up what he said in chapter 14. Now, don't be picking at each other and dividing over little things and saying, well, you don't eat meat and I do and you have this day and I don't. And don't do that, he said. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of your food. Accept one another. Just as Christ also accepted us. Accept the weak or the strong. Brother, accept the other one, whether you see eye to eye on every little detail or not. Accept your brother, whether he's Jew or Gentile. Make no difference. Racial distinctions and that sort of stuff. Listen, we're all born into Adam the first time. And when we're born again into the last Adam, Jesus Christ, we're to accept one another to the glory of God. The only one you don't accept is the one who does, denies Jesus Christ. He'll talk about that in 2 John. And we need to talk, this is a family matter now. When he says, accept one another just as God has accepted us in Christ. And uh, notice, look at verse 7. Notice how Paul puts it. Christ accepted us <laughs> to the glory of God. You know, have you noticed that there's a tendency... Uh, in modern testimonies, the ones we live with, you know, our generation, our century perhaps, to talk about how we've accepted the Lord. That's not the marvel of the gospel. 
The marvel of the gospel isn't that some sinner accepted the God of glory. The marvel of the gospel is that God has accepted us. You hear some testimonies and it's I did this, I did that, I was quite the sinner. And I was quite the, you know, I, 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 and finally I accepted Jesus Christ, and you ought to too. And it just kind of reeks of self-glory rather than God's glory. No, God doesn't need any second-hand glory, and he will not share his glory with glory hounds. And if you're thinking, and you stop and think about it, you know, there's kind of a, in our day, there's been a push to, to get the rich and the famous and the athletic and the starlets of this world to accept Christ so that others will accept him because it's a popular thing to do. If you're going to trust your eternal soul to someone on the basis of who the rich and famous are trusting or have accepted, <laughs> You haven't learned who he is yet, Christ. And you haven't learned who you are yet and who the rich and famous are yet. You better reread Romans 1 through 3. No, the marvel of it. And don't get over this. I mean, notice. I mean, vocabulary is important. Look at verse 7. Christ accepted us. And I, in fact, I did a little search. And uh, I was talking to some young men recently, and and I challenged them to just get their concordance out and search through their Bible and look at some of the vocabulary around this matter of believing Christ and trusting in Christ, receiving Christ, and the lingo that we use. And, you know, this word accept, it's sometimes translated take. And uh, the emphasis in the Scripture is not us taking him. In fact, uh, when you find this term used of someone taking the Lord. It's Peter. Peter, Simon Peter, took the Lord aside and said, Lord, you're not going to die. And what did he say to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. That's where you find this lingo of us taking the Lord. No, the, you know, we, we use it in a glorious way when we say someone took, they took her in or they took him in and it's a picture of compassion and receiving someone into their home and nurturing them perhaps the Lord accepted us he took us in that's the marvel of the gospel we should never get over it it's to the glory of God that he took us in we glorify God because he accepted us we glorify God verse 7 because he accepted us we glorify God verse 8 for saving the Jews and we glorify God, verse 9, really, down through 12, for saving Gentiles, okay? I mean, that's kind of the outline I would give you here. We glorify God because he accepted us. We glorify God because he was faithful to his promises to Israel, verse 8. And we glorify God for his mercy to Gentiles, verses 9 through 12. You see, we glorify God for his faithfulness. Verse 8, look at it. I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. He is faithful to what he said he'd do, and we glorify God for that. And then, verse 9, he became a servant to the Gentiles to glorify God again, he says it, for what? His mercy, 
his mercy, his faithfulness, and his loving kindness. And you know, by the way, that's the big picture when you step back from it. Uh, you know, we'd say, he accepted me. He accepted the Jews. He, he was faithful to his promises when he said he was going to save Israel. He is going to. And he has been, uh, you know, he fulfilled, Christ fulfills all the promises to Israel. And his mercy, and I speak now as a Gentile, you know, when I say his mercy to us Gentiles, we get in on it. So that's the big picture. But every Christian, too, I don't care what your background, Jew or Gentile, all of us, we glorify God individually, do we not, for those two things, too? His faithfulness, he does what he says he'll do, verse 8, he's faithful to his promises, and his mercies, his loving kindness. In fact, Jacob, in Genesis 32, glorified God for both. He said, I am unworthy of all your loving kindness, and I'm unworthy of all your faithfulness. And that's a picture of every Christian. I don't care what your background. You're going to be praising God for his mercy and his faithfulness. His mercies... His loving kindnesses, they never cease. They're new every morning, right, we say? And what's the next line? Great is thy faithfulness. We praise him for both. And that's uh, exactly what Paul does here as he summarizes God's great purpose. God sent his son. This gospel concerns his son, who is the seed of David according to the flesh, who is declared to be the son of God. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew, to the Greek. Come to Christ. You can be saved. You can glorify God for his faithfulness to do what he said he'd do and his mercy. Undeserved. We are unworthy of his mercy. Now look at verse 8. We glorify God for his faithfulness. I say that Christ, Paul says, I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. God in sovereign grace made many promises to Israel. And he will fulfill them. His faithfulness guarantees it. He will do what he said he'd do. You can't read the Bible without seeing that he said, and he says to the whole world, and I know today you're not even supposed to say things, but God doesn't worry about what you're supposed to say by man's standards. God doesn't worry about being politically correct. God is God. And he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who I am. Well, what's your name? I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, who are you? And then he stated it in the, remember at the burning I am. I am who I am. The God of Israel is God Almighty. He's the God who created the heavens and the earth. And he's faithful to his promises. And if he said, I'm the God of Abraham, he is the God of Abraham. And if he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he's called 27 times in the book of Isaiah, the Holy One of Israel then you can be sure he is. <laughs> and we Gentiles ought to just enjoy it. And we ought not to kind of try to push that aside and ignore the fact that he's the Holy One of Israel. 
to the Jew first, also to the Greek. That's why it should not throw you for a loop when he sent the disciples out originally in Matthew 10. He said, don't go to the Gentile, go to the house of Israel. When the Canaanite woman came to him and said, have mercy on me, son of David. And he said, I didn't come. I came to the house of sheep, the sheep of Israel. Then she pled his mercy, remember? She came on Gentile ground, basically, and she said, Lord, help me. Even the dogs get the crumbs under the table, don't they, Lord? And, she said, and he said, none of that. That's brokenhearted faith. And, of course, he didn't come merely for Israel. Don't misunderstand that either. But then he said, your faith has saved you, woman. He opened the floodgate. But you see, the purpose of God through history is you see it all through the Bible, and you see it here as he says, he became the servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. God promised Israel a Messiah. And when I hand us a Jew or a Gentile today, a New Testament and say, read this book. What's the first verse they read? The book of the genealogy of the son of Abraham, the son of David. That's who we're talking about, Jesus Christ. And he is faithful to his promises. You say, well, I'm a Gentile. Listen, the more you and I understand about God's purposes and his faithfulness to his promises to Israel, the more then we will glorify God. Look at verse 9. He came to us for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. And he goes right back to the scripture. The more we understand that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the more we will as Gentiles praise his holy name, that he isn't parochial in the sense of just having purpose for one nation, but rather through that one nation, he's going to bless all the nations. And in fact, we glorify him for his mercy. And then he says, as it is written. Now notice, and remember where we were last time and why I started reading really back at verse 4. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Remember in Luke 24, when Jesus said, all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Remember that? He said, all things which were written about me in the law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms. He divided the Old Testament into three categories. And he says, all those things written about me, the whole Old Testament is Christocentric, just like the New Testament is, just like the whole Bible is, just like all of history is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We should be always talking about Jesus. We should be considering him. We should be fixing our eyes on him because he's the centerpiece. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, To the Glory of God, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 AM. It's best to check the 800 AM program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Togo, and Ivory Coast to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Oh, when you tell what's happened in your life, don't be talking about you accepting God. You marvel that He accepted you. You know, that's what pe- it's the God of glory that accepted us. That's the amazing thing. And that's that's the way the testimony, for instance, that grand testimony that Stephen gave in Acts 7, that's how he started. He said, hear me, brethren and fathers, the God of glory appeared to Abram. <laughs> and by the way, that whole seventh chapter of Acts, he's telling how the God of glory appeared to us, came to us. And he closes his testimony. Remember what the Bible says? He's looking up and he saw the glory of God. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, To the Glory of God. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.